And now, Canada Hoops, hosted by Maddie Ireland. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Canada Hoops. It's your boy, Maddie. We're forever grateful for your continued support. Please continue to download, like, and share us. Today's episode will be a fun one as we bring you the second annual Canadian Basketball Awards here on Canada Hoops. Plus, we will dive into the recent announcement by Canada Basketball with respect to the summer core of players for the senior men's national team and the upcoming FIBA World Cup qualifiers. And as well, the phenom Elijah Fisher has announced he will join the Texas Tech Red Raiders. We'll talk about the recent NBA draft announcements from a Canadian's perspective. And to help us cover all the excitement, we welcome back our guy and Canada basketball specialist, Scott Witter. Scott, appreciate you coming back from Canada. Maddie, very happy to be here, man. Uh, I, I love coming on your show. I love love listening to um, all, all the great podcasts you're putting out with some fantastic guests. So uh, thank you. Happy to be here. Yeah, I've uh, been looking forward to this. Um, yeah, you know, I love the conversations we've always had. And, uh, you know, your insight, especially on Twitter, everybody loves you and, uh, you know, values your knowledge. So it's always great to have you back. Uh, Things are good, right? We had a quick chat before we recorded, but uh, life's good on your end, right? Life's good on my end. I, th- I think we're in a, a bit of a reprieve, and and everything's everything's going well. I'm actually going to get my uh, first trip uh, back to Canada. For the for those that don't know, I'm a I'm an expat living in living in the states, and uh, I have not been up to Canada since uh, COVID started, and. Um, that's been, that's been bugging me. Uh, my family's been able to come down. Um, but, uh, you me having, having a, a family and kids and all that sort of stuff. We have not gone up there since pre COVID. So we're heading up there in July. I'm pretty excited. Oh, that's cool. That's good to hear, man. That'll be a, a deserved trip after the, the last couple of years we've had. So happy to hear that. Um, uh, man, before we dive into our words and, and other topics, uh, you know, there's a lot of excitement around Canada basketball, the program, individual players. Uh, you know, give us a sense of what the temperature right now is for Canada basketball. It sure feels like the excitement is red hot uh, for the red and white. Um, you know, Michael Bartlett, the CEO, he's done a lot of interviews. Um, he's really put himself out there to become a a face of the program, letting everybody know what's happening. Uh, he's our friend. He's joined us on the podcast. Um, you know, I always like to gauge the realities of Canada basketball through you. Yeah. You know, what's, uh, you know, what's your excitement level at and what's, uh, you know, what's your reality at right now? Oh, oh man, it's, it's a, it's a roller coaster. And, uh, I, I might date myself with this analogy. You're going to get it. I don't know how many of our audience members will, <laughs> but sometimes with Canada basketball, I feel like I'm, I'm Charlie Brown trying to kick the football. Right. And, uh, right. uh I, get, I get really, really excited to, to line up and, and, uh, uh, take that, take that big kick and it gets pulled, pulled away. 
and I go flying. Um, but I, I'm, I'm ready to take that kick again. It's, uh, I'm, I'm pretty excited about this. Um, you know, we've talked about it in the past and, and yeah, I've pointed that out that this was talked about in the Toronto days of like having guys committed and getting guys bought in. And, uh, you know, I guess it didn't happen at, at that time, um, even though Canada basketball tried. So, you know, I don't know the details behind all of this um, in the sense that how do you hold these guys' feet to the fire? Is, is there something in, in writing? Um, is it the fact that 14 names have, have been named and it's public and uh, you, me, the, the media and everybody else can kind of hold, hold these guys' uh, feet to the fire? Or maybe there's even something in writing that these guys have kind of signed up for. I don't, I don't know if it has teeth or anything like that. But you have 14 players, uh, 11 NBA guys. Most of our best players, um, you know, almost all, um, obviously some, some, some guys missing like, um, Andrew Wiggins and Brandon Clark, uh, Chris Boucher, you know, a few others, but this represents a massive turnout for, for Canada basketball. Um, I think people need to be, uh, you know, have, have a bit of a reality check. It it doesn't mean that each one of these guys is going to be showing up for every event, um, there's seven, I think, FIBA basketball events uh, for the men between now and uh, uh, the Olympics. And that includes, you know, multiple World Cup qualifier windows. We got the first, um, we got window three coming up in in uh, less than a month. Yeah, right. less than a month. Um, yeah. And then window four in the uh, very late August and then the America Cup. Um, so we got three coming up this summer. And we already have guys like uh, Ken Birch with uh, knee surgery. Um, we probably don't see Jamal Murray. We probably don't see Lou uh, Gens Dort. Um, you know, both recovering from pretty se- pretty severe injuries still. Um, I'm sure there's some other guys that um, have contract issues. There's nobody that's really a free agent, but you have a lot of guys that are in that kind of young players in their contract extension summer. Some that could be in contract extens- extensions, like O'Shea Brissett and um, um, uh, Lou, you know, Lou Dort. Right. Um, but guys like Barrett, guys like Nikhil, um, those guys are, you know, those guys are all kind of in that kind of contract extension that might hold them out. Um, they're looking at some big money coming coming in. Don't know. They they may be in or may not. We'll see. Um, obviously, and in. in probably less than a month, probably in a few weeks. We'll, we'll, we'll see who shows up at camp. Um, but yes, I, I think I'm, I'm pretty excited about this. I think this is what they've needed. Um, all that stuff of having continuity and consistency. Yes, we've known that for a long time. I haven't been able to do it as Canada for, for a variety of reasons. I still am skeptical about that. I think it's tough. Um, I think it's tough getting the same guys kind of summer after summer after summer. Um, but we'll see what they can do. Um, the flip side of this, I always said, like, get the talent. Well, the talent's here as well. Um, so even if it's, you know, seven, eight guys that are kind of consistent from summer to summer, there's enough talent here uh, on its own to field a, a, a very competitive team. A team that should well easily qualify for the World Cup, but right. should be in the running for finishing top two amongst North and South America, which qualifies you automatically for the Olympics. Really, the competition there is USA basketball, tough competition. 
um, and probably Argentina, which is a bit of a, a declining power uh, out there. Uh, but if we can get ahead of you know those two or one of those two, we qualify immediately into the Olympics. Um, otherwise, we got to go through one of those nasty Olympic qualifiers again. Um, I'd like other people out there to join me and in, and in, in the belief the World Cup is is more interesting and and uh, um, you know there's 32 teams everybody's there you know where the Olympics it's kind of 12 teams it's missing some of the best teams in in, in the world um, yeah. yeah I really want people to kind of um, you know zone in on the World Cup um, uh, which will be in the uh, mostly in the Philippines uh, in uh, next summer. But yeah, right. I don't know. What, what are your thoughts? What, how, how, how you gauge in things? Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm excited. And I've, I've learned to sort of become patient mm-hmm. and realistic. And I'm I'm happy to see, like, you know, the infamous supper in Las Vegas kind of gain traction. And then now we're getting this announcement of the summer core of the 14 players, 11 NBA guys, like you said. Yeah. I think that's key. I like the fact that you know, Rowan and Nick made that effort and it it's it's paid off where they've gotten the result and the commitment. And like let's be realistic. Not all these guys are gonna show up to every event, but their desire is there. They're not they're not committing these next two or three summers without that desire. So I think that's what the fan base ultimately wants is like, hey, we know these guys are interested. They do care. Um Yes, they have lives, contract extensions. Corey Joe is about to be a father for the first time. Kelly's getting married. I mean, we all have lives, and we all get to do these other things ourselves, and they're, they're allowed to do that too, right? So um, I agree. The World Cup, to me, is huge. I don't want to see a poor result there, but I think we will do really well, and I don't want to rely on a last-chance tournament. we got a long ways to go before that becomes an issue, but um, I love the World Cup too because it's it's straight hoops. It's it's just a tournament. Just on on basketball, the Olympics is kind of overshadowed by other events, and um, I think we're going to do really well for the World Cup. Matt, Maddie, let me put you on the spot. Would you go? Would you go to the Philippines, a a beautiful, beautiful country where? They're into basketball more than 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 the United States and Canada. It, it it's is their a, national sport. It's their, it's their national, national sport. sport. I I went there maybe a decade ago um, and checked out some of the some of the beautiful islands. Spent some time in Manila and then went down south through the islands. But roll into the Manila airport and and there's like just like murals of NBA players everywhere. Um, right. They love the NBA. It's it's it's, it's, it's hilarious. So. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. Um, I'm actually, you know, hoping to go. I don't know if I'll be able to pull it together, but uh, we'll, we'll see how it goes. I, I'm much, much, much more interested in going to this one than uh, the one in China. Yeah, that's it's funny you say that. That's kind of a bucket list thing where I would love to do that. Um, maybe we can put a little contingent together and we'll go and uh, watch, watch the men compete. I think, um, you know, the timing with the announcement goes going back to that. Everything's lining up really nice. I think we'll have enough of a uh, a roster out of that core to to really help us this summer. And um, you know, and and the winter guys, they're going to do their part too. And yeah, you know, the World Cup will be huge. Um, 
you know, yeah. it, 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 it's good to see, right? And I like that. Yeah. You know, I like that. Um, that's something. Like Sorry, I was going to say that's the don't interrupt. Sorry, I just want to point that out because you mentioned the Winter Core and 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 it was very clear in the press release that Basketball Canada um, put out that they they deem this as the senior mat and senior men's national team is a combination of the Winter Core and the Summer Core. Right. So there's a lot of speculation out there of like, oh, is is Wiggins gonna gonna show up? Obviously, I don't know if people know, but. Wiggins was obviously asked and, and he said he couldn't commit to the three, three years. I'm sure that was the same for Boucher and, and Brandon Clark and, and others, you know, Oh, we, they can still show up on a case by case basis. Yes, that's true. Um, but you might be pulling, you know, guys from the winter court, maybe, maybe different for a guy like Wiggins, but you know, do you go after Kyle Alexander before you go after like Brandon Clark? Right. Cause Kyle Alexander is one of the best bigs, best Canadian bigs outside the NBA. And, Right. You know, is experienced in FIBA and is in tune with what the national team's doing. Knows the system, knows knows the coaches. Um, so I think you're going to see a lot of winter core guys um, on these rosters. Um, when guys step out, I think it's the winter ki- winter core guys who show up first. Um, things like the America Cup, uh, Amer- America Cup in September. Um, I don't know if we're going to be throwing like full NBA contingent at something like that. Maybe some of the young guys go, but I think it's going to be a lot of the winter core guys. Right. Kind of a blended team, or, or or some of the maybe some of the U twenty three guys show up. I don't know, um, but you, you kind of got to look at this as a, as, a, as a combined roster. I think. No, agreed. And you know what? Yeah, they've said it. They don't want um, everyone to sort of focus on the summer court being the end all be all. And you know, there are there will be guys that can't play for different reasons. Um. They want everyone to be aware as far as the players say, hey, yeah, you know, there may not be a spot for you if you want to jump in. But, you know, I think if, if Andrew wants to jump in at any point, you know, I, I still feel he's our best athlete. Yeah. Um, athletically, he's still the top guy for us. Um, you know, it's going to be fluid. I think I tweeted that. It's going to be a fluid roster at all times. But yeah. the desire is there. It's nice to see. And, and there's guys on that winter court that, listen, man, they, they can make our best 12. Um, yeah. Like a sniper like Kyle Wilcher, I mean, yeah. you know, suited for the FIBA game, we'll take him. Yeah. You know, I, I love Kyle Alexander as well. I didn't actually know a lot about him in terms of his game and these last couple winter uh, windows. He uh, really impressed me. He's got a good motor. He's really strong. Um you know he's a he comes yeah. from a hoops family in Canada. I like him a lot, so I think yeah. he can slide in, right? So he fills he fills such a hole too, right? It, yeah, not like um, you know the center position is is a position of strength for Canada. So right. we we need guys like that. Um, he he fills a massive hole for the for the winter team winter core and and is you know amongst you know the the you know you don't have to go too far down the list of top Canadian centers before you get to him. To be honest. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, all right, you ready? You want to roll a few awards out here? That yeah, we, man. We put some uh, awards out on Twitter and uh, had the fan base poll it. Uh, good response. Uh, similar to last year, and we're trying to keep it fun and light, and never too serious. Here, uh, we will start with the Canadian NBA MVP this year. Uh, there's some great choices, you know. It's such a cool thing, and some of our 
our players are truly becoming superstars. Uh, I'll, I'll do what the fan base first got. The fans this year went with our man, Andrew Wiggins, 65% of the vote. Um, everyone's loved what Andrew's done this year. Who do you have for the MVP this year, Scott? Okay. Yeah, I, I, I want to give a bit of a preamble because this was this was a weird season, man. This was, it was. This is a weird. This was a season of 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 terrible first halves and great second halves. Um, you know, looking at looking at RJ, looking at, at uh, Boucher, O'Shea. You know, wow. Um, injuries. This was a very injury plagued season for Canadians. Um, Shea, obviously Jamal Murray, out the entire season. I think I think Dylan. Brooks only played 32 games. Uh, Luke Dort played 50 games. Kelly Lennox played 40 games. Ken Birch seemed injured or having COVID or, or almost the whole whole season and only played 55 games. So this was a harder one um, for sure. Uh, getting to the MVP between RJ, Dylan, Shea, and, and Wiggins – you know, I, I'm, I'm kind of not there. I'm going to toss out two to start. I don't, I'm not really there with RJ. Um, he just had, had had a pretty brutal first half, but then was 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 awesome in in the second half. It was it was pretty actually pretty pretty amazing to to see that jump. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know, I, if, I think the efficiency wasn't really there for for most of the most of the year. I was hoping for an efficiency bump, but I think a lot of what happened was the New York Knicks got a lot worse around him. Um, still don't have yeah. the shooting and still don't have the point guard play. Um, Julius Randle was a, a huge regression. Um, so things collapsed around RJ and, and he, you know, he bumped up his scoring all the way up to, I think, you know, tw- 25 points per game, you know, post all, all star where he was, um, you know, pre all star, maybe down kind of around that 16, 17 range. But, uh, um, you know, toss him aside, toss, toss Dylan aside, I don't think he was there as a total package. Um, missed a lot, so it kind of comes down to, to Shea and 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 uh, and and Wiggins. Shea's clearly the best Canadian offensive player of the season, um, and it's not necessarily the points he puts up. It's a it's a bad OKC team. Um, we we know you could be a top offensive option on a bad team, and it can distort things. But a lot of this is like how efficient he still does it. Um, he is, le- he is a legit playmaker and finisher. He's truly elite there. Um, you start digging into the analytics, you, you know, that's just the eye test. You can see it with the analytics. He's, he's kind of among the best in the league with, um, this season with Giannis and, and, and John Morant and LeBron and kind of that finishing skills and, and playmaking metrics and, and stuff like that. He's there. Um, you know, and this is all while facing, you know, the most double teams probably anybody sees out there and getting the least amount of space in, in the NBA. So it's pretty crazy to kind of think what he does on, on offense. I think he's vastly underrated there. I think he's amongst the, the elite in the league. However, his defense isn't kind of near as impressive and that, that might be, he's carrying such an offensive load. Um, it's not bad. Um, it's kind of, kind of league average from my perspective. Um, you know, like I said, it just, he just might be taking so much on on offense that he's not quite there. So that kind of took me to, you know, Andrew Wiggins, who, you know, I really like the defensive side of the game. I, I just, you know, I think it gets underrated sometimes. Um, and, and he really impacted the game on both ends of the floor. So he's he's my MVP as well. I'm going with the fans on, on this one. 
Um, he was voted as, as, a, as an all-star game starter, a very, very rare feat for, for a Canadian. I recognize those results were juiced. Um, I yeah. think the, the K-pop star, Bam Bam, had, had a little thing going. I yeah. think he's their global ambassador, and that probably probably goosed things. But he was still he was still there as a making the All Star team in my mind. Um, you know, may, maybe the starting was was a little bit inflated, but but he was certainly an All Star this year in my mind. Um, he did have a better first half than than than, than second half. Um, you know, pre All Star he was kind of eighteen points, four rebounds, two assists. Good shooting, 48% from the field, 41% from three. If he free throw shooting, kind of around 66%, you know, almost two and a half, three pointers per game. He was efficient. Um, post all star, that kind of that dipped um, meaningfully, you know, a little bit in points, but his efficiency went down pretty significantly. Um, playoffs, he's, he's kind of, um, you know, he's, he's picking on a different role with the playoffs that we're seeing. Um, he's actually one of the playoff leaders in offensive rebounding, which is, which is pretty crazy. Right. But I don't think a lot of people are fully aware of like his, his defensive acumen. Um, you know, it's always tough to measure defense. Um, it is a little bit more the eye test. You see him getting the toughest defensive assignments. He was the primary guy on, on, on Luca for the Western conference finals. He's usually the primary guy on, on any of the wings he's 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 defending you know three four positions um you know taking a look at some of the defensive metrics and analytics um you know he's 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 up there he's not elite but he's but he's very good um and he kind of excelled you know doing the dirty work the rebounding um embracing tough defensive assignments um I'm a little bit of a sucker on the on the defensive side um and I think it's I think it's overlooked especially amongst the star players uh, a lot of stars get a free pass, um, I think, because they're just dropping. You know, Trey Young is one of the worst defensive players in the league. James Harden's always one of the worst defensive guys in the league, and people, you know, glorify them to you know the highest ends. Um, so there you have it, Andrew Wiggins, my 2021-22 NBA season Canadian MVP. I love it, and uh, we'll hit the trifecta. Wiggs is my pick too. Um, and I just loved, and I, you know, you have the crazy stats, and I appreciate that. Um, but, you know, when the, in the qualifying tournament in Victoria, he was our best player. And he showed us, like, I'm still that guy. And you and I joke about it all the time on Twitter about Wiggins Island, and we never left Wiggins Island. And he showed us he is still him. And he carried it into the year. I think the tournament gave him a lot of confidence. And it was so great to just see him have that consistency, make the all-star team. The starting spot was juice, like you said. And he's been really productive in the playoffs. Um, He played the most minutes uh, in that last game against Dallas for the Warriors. You know, Luca's going to get his, but Andrew made it tougher. Um I just, I'm happy for him too. Uh, he seems really happy, really comfortable with his role. And I think just given that, you know, yeah, Shea is probably the best Canadian in the league. Uh, you know, if Jamal was healthy, healthy, I think we said that last season on the uh, episode too, maybe Jamal would have something to say. Um, but we didn't get to see him this year. Um, but Andrew is, is a guy that, um, there's been a lot of hype for so long and, you know, it's just nice to see him playing so well. And, 
and the Warriors really need him. They value him. They've said that throughout the playoffs. Steve Kerr is raving about what he brings. So I got Wiggs as the uh, MV, NBA Canadian MVP as well. Nice. Uh, unanimous. Um, quick shout out to Brandon Clark, who discreetly put up uh, a pretty uh, efficient offensive and defensive season this year. Um, right. love, to, love to see it because he was he was pretty took a deep dive last year. Um, and I think he was probably honestly to say in the mix with, um, you know, RJ and Brooks, if you value both ends of the floor and efficiency right. and, and things like that, which I, I tend to, but maybe not that high, but. Well, since, since you're a defensive uh, guy, we got the NBA Canadian Defensive Player of the Year. The fans, 52%, pulled Lou Dort. Lou Dort. Uh, Lou Gens. Um, your pick, Scott. Who do you have as a defensive player? Oh, man. I'm going against the fans on this one. Um, I, I love Lou Dort, but... You know, th- this is a hard one. Like I said, we were talking about this earlier. Like, uh, like defense. There's not a lot of statistics that are good for defense, right? Um, you know, so you kind of go. You kind of got to look at some other things. I test. You know, I, I trust the coaches, right? The, who, who are the coaches assigning the toughest defensive assignments to, right? Right. Um, and and Lou Dort's up there. Um, a lot of the, the the stats that do have some. I think meaning and, and teeth, you know, weren't weren't necessarily backing backing him up this year. Um, Lou's got this legendary reputation, especially on, on on Twitter, and it might be moving a little bit into the um, extreme side of things uh, on, on the table for me, um, or at least this season. Um, and then you know, I, kind of, I just you know, it's tough. OKC's uh, a, a tough position. It's a tough team. It's not a winning organization right now. Um, so I, I kind of have to discount things a, a, a little bit there. Um, uh, Chris Boucher is more of a bench role player for me. He was one of the four that was nominated. Um, you know, great player, but, but not kind of that starting caliber defensive leader that that I think Wiggins and 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 Dylan Brooks and, and Lou Dort are. Right. Um, so I kind of tossed him out. Um, Wiggins was very good, as noted above, but um, I think Dylan Brooks was even better. Um, you know. We talked a little bit about guys missing good chunks of season, um, you know. But I'm still going to go with Dylan Brooks here. Um, the I think the Grizzlies uh, went from being one of the um, worst defensive teams to one of the when he was out, um, and then one of the best defensive teams when when he came back. Um, I do think Dylan Brooks is a friend, a fringe kind of all defense type player. Um, he competes as hard as anybody out there. He uses that big body and length. He uses physicality to defend all sorts of the best scorers in the NBA. Um, you know, sometimes varying levels of success, but he's he's given the tough assignments night after night after night. And and it's rare to see kind of occurrences of defensive failure with Dylan Brooks. Um, you know, I, I yeah, he you know let's let's get away from recency bias. He didn't have the greatest playoffs. I think right. he admitted it himself. He he didn't didn't play well. He was plagued by by foul trouble a lot. He, he still has to get that under control, but that kind of defines his game. Um, he's he's kind of living on the edge. He, he's pushing things physically as, as far as he can. Um, that gets him into trouble sometimes, but it's who he is. Um, I did kind of dig into the analytics a little. You know, I kind of got this eye test, but let's let's look for some analytics to kind of kind of support that. 
Um, there's, there's one kind of, um, I like the, I don't know if anyone gets, gets into, you know, 538's, uh, war Raptor, um, on the defensive side, that's kind of an individual plus minus measurement, um, that uses all, also kind of wins above replacement and accounts for the playing time of the players. Um, it's one of the better kind of defensive, all encompassing defensive metrics. Um, Dylan Brooks was up there in that one. Um, you know, he was, he was kind of around 13th in the league. Um, and the, the, you know, the top, um, guys in the league are, are, um, you know, who you would, who you would expect, right. It's, um, um, you know, it's your, it's your, it's your Rudy Gobert and, and Gary Payton, the second and Alex Caruso and Draymond Green and, and Joel Embiid and Jared Allen and, you know, bam. And, you know, Derek White, guys like that. And then, you know, there's Dylan Brooks at kind of 13. So, it, it, you know, that backs up the, the, the eye test. Um, there's a couple other ones out there that, that do the same thing just for, you know, people want to know. Andrew Wiggins is probably next on that list, kind of in, in the 40s. Brandon Clark is kind of in the 40s. Lou Dortz, maybe in the 60s, 70s. Chris Boucher is in that range as well. Um, and, uh, yeah, so there, there you have it. Dylan Brooks, um, to me is going to be this season's, uh, Canadian defensive player of the year. Well, I know you, uh, you've always been a Brooks fan and, uh, his, his numbers are there. Uh, he's top notch. I, this year I went with the fan base and I, I chose Lou as well. Um, just cause. I mean, that's kind of his bread and butter, but he's also, I like to see guys, you know, if they've kind of established themselves as a defensive player, like so we, we mentioned about Dylan last year too. Dylan had to, like the expectation is that Dylan's going to score a little bit now too. Like he needs to be able to create and provide some offense. And Lou has started to develop that a little bit. He, he's working on a three-point shot. Uh He's going to try to knock down that open jumper. So I like that, you know, defensively, they're both really strong, uh, but they're both expected now to provide a little bit of scoring as well. Um, and I just like, I, I've i just become a Lou fan. Like, it, you know, it's yeah. hard to watch OKC at times. They're not very good. Shea was out. I mean, I want to watch the Thunder on a Tuesday night just because Shea and Lou were playing, but it wasn't very... Uh, often this year that that was the case so you know he's gonna make me tune in and uh yeah he's my choice for a defensive player of the year oh, could be we, they might increase uh after this draft we'll we'll, we'll see yeah that's 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 for sure the Olympics. um most improved canadian nba player the fan base at 62 percent this one was pretty overwhelming for O'Shea Brissett of the Indiana yeah. Pacers. Uh, where are you going with this one, Scott? This one was this one was a little tough too. Um, you know, it's kind of funny. I, uh, you know, like I said, it was it it, it, it was a season of um, it was a difficult season for a lot of guys. Um, and uh, you know, I think Wiggins already made this jump last year. I think Chris Boucher made made the jump last year. I think. You know, um, under the radar, you, you know, you might be able to argue for a guy like Josh Primo or somebody like that because they just, you know, they, they're going to only do nothing but improve. Um, I went with O'Shea as well. 
Um, but a lot of that was because no one clearly jumped out to me this year. Um, you know, like I think preseason when we did a show, we were all hyping up on, on Nikhil and, and, and that just was a, a complete cluster this year. Um, yeah. and, and, and did not go the, the right direction. Um, you know, a guy like Brandon Clark, it's a bounce back year. Dwight Powell had a, had a great kind of, you know, there's all arguments there. Um, O'Shea sort of broke out last year. Um, but he only had like 20 games, 23 games, um, and had, had a really good playoffs. And then he kind of reverted at the start of this year. Um, he was not showing much at the start of this year. That This was just, you know, a little bit of his rotation, um, you know, too many bodies or things like that. But he had an awesome uh, post-All-Star. So, you know, I think he was like eight, six, eight points, six rebounds, two and a half um, pre-All-Star and then, wait, no, I'm looking at wrong stats there. That was RJ I was looking at. Um, O'Shea pre, was seven points pre-All-Star, five rebounds, one assist. But efficiency was kind of a little bit iffy, you know, 41% from field goal, 33% from uh, three-pointer, 64 from the line, only playing 20 minutes a game. Post-All-Star, he kind of pushed that up. Uh, 14 points per game, seven rebounds, two assists, a um, little bit better on efficiency, you know, 42 from the field, 37, you know, that's, that's a good jump at three point move from three to 33 to 37 on three pointers, thir- um, th- 78% um, at the line moved up to 31 minutes a game. Um, he was hitting kind of two, three pointers per game. He, you know, jumped into a legit, starting role for, for the Pacers. Um, he, you know, but the thing about O'Shea is his bread and butter is, is kind of not really the scoring. It's, 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 it's really the non-scoring department departments that he kind of, um, he, he's one of those kind of lunch bucket guys. Um, he's, he's really defensively versatile. Um, he's probably one of the best defenders on the Pacers. Um, He's only he's the only guy on on their team that can kind of guard all positions. You know, might be a little hyper, hyperbolic there, but he, he's the only guy who can who can you know have a chance to guard all positions. Um, he, he's a, he's better as a help defender than really in one on one situations. But you know, keeping him in the starting lineup really helps the Pacers with um, creating a defensive identity. So he's, he's kind of become one of those glue guys. Um, he'll probably get even, even better on defense, tighten up the efficiency. He's an above average rebounder at his, at his position, um, which has been an issue for the Pacers for, for, for a long time. Um, yeah, you know, there's talk about him, you know, he, the Pacers can have him for another year at like a bargain. I think it's like 1.8 million or something like that, but they're yeah. talking about preactively, um, you know, declining that and and extending and renegotiating him the, over the summer because they don't want a, him to get to kind of restricted free agency next next summer. Um, that's what he's kind of put in front of uh, of these guys. You got to remember, this guy was a borderline NBA player. I don't think you know a couple of years ago. I don't think any of us really thought he was an NBA player um, three years ago when he was at Syracuse. He, he he wasn't that interesting at Syracuse. He really kind of stepped it up in the G and. Um, has continued to step it up with the Pacers. Um, he's probably their projected starting s- small forward for next season, you know, pending draft and trades and, and things like that. 
And, and for a guy that was barely in the league last year, yeah. he really only kind of caught on for the last 20 games. That's a huge improvement. And um, that's, that's my most improved uh, Canadian player for this year. Well, I love it. Cause I, uh, I took O'Shea as well. And he's like, this jump that you just mentioned has been ridiculous and he's become a key piece. He's a starter for the Pacers. Um, they're, they're looking at him and I'm glad you brought up the contract situation because he's such a value that, you know, they realize what they have here and they don't want to uh, let that get to free agency. Right. So they're just, you know, they're, they know what they have now and they want to lock the, lock him up and, he he's made the Pacers really evaluate him as a, as a future piece, um, and it's nice to see. You know, he got the opportunity, and I just I don't think anyone else this year, because of the weird year, like you mentioned, is such a strange year. And we can't keep saying, yeah, yeah, Andrew was better this year than last year, but he's made that jump. And and Chris, like you said, so this is this is O'Shea's year, so. Definitely uh, my vote for, for most improved player. Yeah. And, it's, and it's nice to see, right? It just makes another guy that we can kind of put on top of the mountain in terms of Canada basketball to, you know, celebrate and cheer for. And so it's uh, it's good for him. Um, yeah. Let's go. And he's, 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 he's kind of, he's, he's that, he, he can fill that kind of Swiss Army knife role for the, for the national yeah. team as well. He, he does a lot of things, you know, pretty good and, and it's like super versatile. And he seems like the guy who's just like, hey, you know, give me that role and I'm going to fill it to the, to the, to the best of my ability. Um, funny thing on this, Matty, is like, I, you know, it, I wonder, I like, I wonder if he's one of the better or best contract values in the league. And then it brings me back to like how criminally underpaid Lou Dort is. I think right. he's, uh, I think he's like, you know, 1.7, 1.8 mil a year or something like that. And uh, same similar situation where the Thunder might renegotiate this summer. They don't have to, but might just proactively do it so they can kind of lock him up and goodwill him. But um, this is a funny story. I don't know if you knew this, but Lou Dort is so underpaid that he was paid a a bonus because the OKC was was under the salary cap this year. And if you're under the salary cap, you have to take the difference between the salary cap and, and what your what your total salary is and and split that up and and give it to all the players. Um so that actually that I think effectively doubled his salary this year. Wow. Um that's how far underpaid uh, uh he was. So uh Luckily or thankfully, he was he was probably paid you know above three million uh, this year when his, his you know actual salary is probably one seven one eight or something like that. I just want to bring up a quick point. You mentioned O'Shea in terms of Canada basketball senior men's national team, sort of that Swiss Army knife. Plug him in. He's going to fill a role. He's going to produce. He is this generation's, in my opinion, Melvin Edgem. Similar game. Uh, Melvin was maybe a little stronger. A little more uh, tougher on the glass, if you will. But O'Shea is that similar player that I think if we had a, a consistent core of six, seven, nine NBA guys, that's O'Shea's role on this team. Yeah. And he's just going to come in there and he's going to provide you good minutes. He's going to produce. Yeah. And, um, but he's a legit, you know, Melvin has sniffs of the NBA, so to speak. Probably should have been there. Uh, but O'Shea is that legit NBA guy now doing this role. 
yeah. uh, on the national team. So I just want to put that out yeah. there. I, I see hey, him as I see him as that big time. If we're gonna shut out Melvin Edgem, then I gotta I gotta jump in on this, and and I'm I'm super happy um, to see him in that yeah. uh, senior national uh, fourteen summer core, along with Kevin Pangos and my dad, because mm-hmm. a I think that FIBA experience is is so incredibly important, but all the stories we hear out of Edgem and Pangos is is they are such good culture guys. Um, you know, they, they, they coach the NBA players up. They teach them how to play FIBA, which is a very different game. People got to respect how different FIBA is. I won't get into all the rule differences, but it's, it's, it's a right. very, very different game. And these guys are like coaches in practice. They're coaches on the floor. Um, you know, Elgin, Edgem's, you know, on the other side of 30 now. And, and, you know, I don't even know if he's top six, eight guys in Canadian guys in Europe anymore. But he's so valuable on the the leadership and the intangibles and and help the experience and helping these guys, um, you know, on the FIBA side of things. So I, I don't know. If, I think people who follow the national team kind of kind of know that and aren't surprised to see him in that final fourteen. But other people who might be a little bit newer might be like, "Who's this guy?" And uh, you know, who's who's Kevin Pangos? He's just got you know third string cut by the Cavs this year. But they're right. very important guys to to the team. A real quick point, and I've seen little sort of conversations about this online with guys like Melvin, Pangos, um, man, you can even throw Wiltshire in those. The other Canadian guys know how good these guys are. They've all played together growing up through the different uh, you know age group levels. And I think those guys are a good reminder you know, for the top NBA guys, like, hey, look, these guys are my bros, and I know how good they are, and this is how fortunate I am to be at this level where, you know, a guy like Melvin couldn't, you know, he had summer league like stints or whatever, but he couldn't stay in the NBA. Kevin got his first shot this season, and Wiltshire had, had sniffs early on. I think they are good to have at camp and with the team because they remind the guys like, look, this is what it's about. Sometimes. Yeah. No, listen, Shay is super skilled. Jamal is all world. And, um, Andrew's our best athlete, but this is how that fine line of like, you need a lot of luck too. And you need opportunity. And I think they love having those guys at camp for that reason. They push them culture guys and they just they keep them in check uh you know maybe humble them and say hey like these guys are are real good pros they just didn't get the break that i got so i just think it speaks a lot to have them mentioned at the core at camp um you talk you know the guys playing for the program and or rowan and and nick and these guys that are are coaching or managing it i mean they love the melvin engine like he is he is their favorite player like he's just yeah He's going to suit up no matter what. And uh, him and his family had the uh, unfortunate tragedy this year. So um, it's nice to see Melvin mentioned. Uh, I'd love to see him at camp. And, uh, you know, he's a friend of the podcast too. So much love to Melvin and yeah, and, his, and his family. Yeah. Um, where do I want to go? Let's go the best dressed Canadian NBA player. This is a fun one. Uh, the fans. I don't know if we got a younger fan base here pulling this, but uh, 
Shea Gilded Alexander, 42%, was the fan pick. Yeah. Uh, for us guys on the other side of 40, uh, who's who's your pick, Scott? Who do you got for the um, Oh, man. Like, you, you, I'm a West Coast guy, right? So, yeah. um, you know, flip-flops and, and shorts and a T-shirt's high, high fashion uh, out here. So mm-hmm. uh, maybe maybe I'm not the best one to pine on this, but I, I, I'm definitely going with the, with the fan vote. Um, last year, I might have been a little enthralled by uh, Dylan Brooks's craziness and the and the sunglasses and the uh, crazy outfits he was showing up with. But listen, Shay's got style, and yeah, yeah, you, do. you know it, it, it's clear this is a passion for him. Um, outside of basketball, I think fashion and design is 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 probably his his big second passion. Um, Steve Nash, it was soccer, <laughs> Shea Gildas Alexander, it's, it's, it's fashion and design. So this year there was a big GQ spread on him. Um, he was, forgot about a, that, actually. Yeah. he was kind of a star at fashion week. Um, right. you know, he, I think he was quoted, you know, take this quote out of, out of GQ. He kind of says, Hey, in my rookie year, I was wearing more known brands, name brands, hiring brands. This year I've tried to be a little different. Like I said before, everyone at this level can get the new Louis Vuitton piece or the new Gucci piece. I've tried to shop at stores and have brands that aren't known and pieces of clothing that aren't easy to find. So he's becoming this like, you know, this trendsetter, this kind of edgy guy that's just like finding stuff and discovering stuff and putting people on the map. Like he's an influencer. He's a legit influencer on the fashion side of things. Right. Um, so, you know, some other guys will show up here and there. And, um, but, uh, Shay, I think this year, um, he could probably get this every year, but we're going to have to mix it up. But Shay's, Shay's best, best, play, best dressed guy in the NBA. Well, in, probably like you hear what I said there in the NBA, not just Canadian. Yeah. Yeah. He yeah. Might be the best dressed guy no, in the NBA. I know he's like, listen, I, I have to kind of be big on Instagram too, just for the podcast and, um, I'm not a huge social media guy. I've tried to embrace it, obviously, with the, the Canada basketball stuff. And uh, so anyway, on Instagram, it's great to see these guys, um, you know, what they're rolling up to on, on game day. So my choice kind of in reference to that is Dwight Powell this year. Right. Dwight, Dwight has elevated his game. Um on game days, he's wearing like these slim, custom fitted suits. Um, he looks sharp, man. He looks like he's ready to hoop. Um, he looks cultured and sophisticated. I like what he's doing. You don't see a ton of guys uh, dressing that way. Um, he just looks about his business. So this year, I'm going to give it to Dwight. Uh, I like, I like to, I like his look. It's my guy. I like yeah. it. Uh, I like it. Let's go we'll round out the men. Uh, actually, let's go. I put it out for the, the MVP for the Canadian women this year. Um, I had Bridget Carlton on the poll, and I went with two of the uh, college players because they had big seasons, uh, Aaliyah Edwards and uh, Leticia there, national champion. Kia was hurt. Um, the fans went with Bridget Carlton, I think, mainly because of her success with the the national team. She was big in the uh, qualifiers. 
uh, hitting some big shots, and she was really consistent. And they're going to play in the the FIBA Women's World Cup this uh, September in Australia. Uh, you got a vote here, Scott? I know you're. you're trying yeah, I'm. To- I'm. I'm. I'm with the fan. I'm with the fans on this one. Um, just Bridget Carlton, and and uh, and and this is this is honestly more familiarity, and uh, um, I'm, I'm not as familiar with with the NCAA players on on the women's side. I have to admit, and just just knowing Bridget and kind of what she's done and and her role with the national team, and and that that's kind of a, a an obvious and clear pick to me, but. That might be partially out of ignorance, but no, fair enough. And then uh, I went with her too. I, I thought she was really big this summer, or sorry, through the winter windows there. Um, yeah, and then she plays big minutes in the WNBA as well with the Minnesota Lynx. Um, key player there, and you know somebody that uh, the women's team and programs are going to definitely need big time come September. Um, I'm not sure that Kia is really suiting up yet. Uh, in Phoenix to start their season. I saw her um, in street clothes the other night, so I don't think she's really getting minutes right now. Uh, so I think come this fall in the Women's World Cup that Bridget uh, is going to be a, a key player for the women's program. And shout them out. Uh, looking forward to seeing how you know they fare in Australia as well. Yeah. And shout out, just probably worth pointing out that there is a big article in The Athletic today talking about uh, WNBA expansion uh, yeah. for the first time in a long time. Yeah. Um, and Toronto's kind of probably on that short list. Um, you know, news, news in that article that the um, couple organizations in Toronto, uh, um, MLSC as well, had, had tried to purchase teams in the past and were unsuccessful. And um, let's keep fingers crossed. Hope maybe we'll see the, the WNBA in Toronto. Yeah, agreed. Uh, okay, favorite Canadian basketball player. I just wanted to throw this out there, see who everybody was feeling right now. Um, I believe on the polls, I put current players. So I don't know if I would have thrown the goat on there, Steve Nash, if he would have just won it. But we did all current players. I put Kia Nurse on there. She actually fared really well. Um yeah, just a fun one to just see who the fans like overall from all of our, our Canadian players. The fan base picked Shea Gillis, uh, Shea Gillis, SGA at 71%. Uh, who's, your, who's your favorite player right now, Scott? I'm taking liberty with this one, and and I'm I'm, I'm taking current with a, a little bit of uh, grain of salt as well. And... Um, I'm 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 going just because of uh, some history here, and this player I've I've been you know following you know since he first stepped on an NCAA floor, um, seeing a ton of his games in in the NCAA, um, kind of was rooting for him all along. Loved him when he shows up for the national team, um, hoping he would crack the NBA. He he had his chance this year. It didn't go very well. Um, this is Kevin Pangos. Um, and, and, and maybe it's, uh, maybe he's the most relatable, uh, NBA player. I don't know. Um, being a a six, two or, or, or six, three white guy myself, probably with short arms as well. Um, but KP just, he was, he was been so good in Europe and, um, you know, it's a big step to the NBA in the sense some guys transition. Well, I always think 
kind of it's tough for high usage ball dominant players out of the Euro League to to make it in the NBA because they can't be high usage ball dominant guys in the NBA. Guys like Shane Larkin and Mike James, those guys are awesome in Europe. They're kind of just another guy in in the NBA. Um, you know, role players. Ken Birch is a good example of a guy who was an elite role player in Europe. He was not like a star of a team. He was just that guy who played killer defense and played his role to an elite level. He was able to transfer to the NBA and still be like a good, uh, you know, role player in the NBA. So maybe my hopes that we're up with with Kevin Pangos, um, but he didn't really get in a good situation. Um, you know, he ended up being kind of third guy in Cleveland. They were kind of panicking from not having enough point guards the, the season before. Didn't, you know, uh, got kind of didn't get a lot of run and then got a couple guys got hurt and he got thrust into kind of a starting role for three games. That That's probably not what he's suited for. And and some the NBA is just bigger, longer, faster, more athletic. Um, he's a small guy, not, not much of a, uh, a wingspan. Maybe it's a little bit tougher to get shots off. Guys close out a lot quicker and with the long arms uh, on wing defenders, it's just harder to get shots up. Didn't work out for him. Um, I'm glad he took the chance. Uh, I'm glad it, it happened. I don't know if he'll ever get another chance. Um, he quickly got scooped up by um, uh, Seska, which is the one of the biggest budget EuroLeague clubs out of Moscow. He signed a contract the day before the, the invasion of the Ukraine started. Right. Um, so I think he tried to back out of that, but uh, I don't know what's going on with that, if he's obligated there or what. But um, he was tied to uh, Olympia Milano, which is um, Milan's EuroLeague team, um, and, and was supposed to be signing there. Uh, that's assuming he gets out of that contract. But I, I, I just have followed him from, from day one. So uh, I was so happy that he got the chance and them, them the breaks. Hey, and you know what? We know he's going to be a guy that, Always suits up for Canada. I mean, look at, you know, he said, yeah, three-year commitment, I'm in. I'm on the summer court. Um, You know, and it was unfortunate to see uh, time cut short in Cleveland. But, uh, and then, you know, he looked like he was heading overseas to a a good uh, contract and then the unfortunate invasion. But uh, we know Kevin will bounce back. I got, for my players, this, this is tough for me. Um and I mentioned this to you a little bit before we recorded, but I love the the new wave, the youngsters that are really putting a lot of Canadian basketball on the map, uh, taking a lot of attention to, you know, what we have in the country, you know, guys like Jamal, Shea, RJ, uh, and they're going to be cornerstone guys for the program for years to come. Um, but, you know, I, I got a bit of a tie, um, I got Corey Joseph, Kelly Olenek, uh, and I mean, Corey is obvious, right? And I think, you know, he's going to do whatever he takes to play for Canada. Uh, he didn't have a great tournament in Victoria, I think. Corey would be the first guy to admit that. Um, but nonetheless, you know, you know, he's in, he's going to commit his time. He's about to be a father. He's still willing to play for Canada, uh, you know, and just going and, and really – you know, with him and Tristan at the same time at Texas and elevating the program and uh, coming off long seasons in the NBA, still willing to play. Uh, he is, 
I've never really officially put it out there on the podcast, so to speak. You know, when I ask other guests about their top five, but I will say Corey's probably in my top five for sure. Uh, I just love what he's done for the game and the country. And then Kelly, uh, Kelly Olenek, you know, I root for him. BC guy representing the West. Uh, he's had to work hard to, to maintain a, a spot in the league, develop his game. And you've said it a lot too. He's a key guy for the program in terms of the FIBA game. Uh, comes from, you know, a great family of basketball people. He represents Kamloops. I got ties to Kamloops. Um, I just love what he's been able to stay in the league and, and get a couple big contracts. Um, everything you hear about him, just a great guy. Everybody loves him. And, uh, and when he plays, he produces, you know, he had really good stretches for the Pistons this year. So for me, I, I got to go Corey Joe and, and KO for my guys. I like it. Good choices, yeah. man. Yeah. Uh, let's hit Europe. Best player, Canadian player in Europe. Um, I'll let you sort of do your Europe, uh, run down your, your knowledge of the guys over there is so great. And the fan base loves you for that. Uh, you know, so your opinion, yeah. who, you know, who was, we'll start, yeah. who was the best player in Europe this season for the guys? Yeah. Canada? It's, it's kind of funny. Cause I, I'm, I'm into it. Cause like, these are the guys who show up for the national team over and over and over again. Um, right. and so I kind of want to see how they're doing. I want to see how they're playing. Um, there, there, there's more than the guys who show up for the national team, and and you're always wondering, hey, are, are they going to play? Is is Dylan Ennis going to finally finally show up and play for the senior men's national team? One of the, one of our best players in in Europe. Um, are these young guys? Um, uh, you know, Isaiah Mike, and you know, guys like that. Are they are they progressing? Um, are they moving up? Um, you know, Trey Bell. Haynes kind of keeps getting better every year. You know, where, where's he, where's he going to get to? So it's kind of a, kind of a cool season in, in Europe for one, one, one main reason you, you know, you still have your kind of not many guys in the Euro league. Uh, for those that aren't familiar, Euro league's kind of the, the premier, you know, league. It's a, it's an intra European league. So teams from, from different countries, kind of a closed league, uh, easily the best league um, outside the NBA. Uh, tons of ex NBA players uh, playing in it. Uh, guys who, 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 young guys who also end up in the NBA. Don't have any guys there. Um, I think um, Dijon Pierre and uh, Mariel Shayok were, were the two uh, playing for Fenerbahce in, in Turkey. Um, Dijon Pierre is, is, is kind of a, a do it all kind of um, you know, Swiss Army knife kind of defensive type player. He's doing great. Uh, Shyok kind of had a rough, you know, go in his first year in the Euro league. And he's, he's, he's out from, from there probably has to move down to kind of a lower level. Um, it, one of the things I think jumped out to, or, you know, Kevin Pangos has always been kind of a star of, of the Euro league and took his run at the NBA and didn't work out. He'll be back in the Euro, Euro league next, next summer. Kyle Alexander could be a guy who moves up to the Euro league. Um, another guy I'll talk about who's kind of my MVP. We'll, we'll talk about in a second. One of the cool things this year was uh, Spain's ACB, um, which is the best domestic league um, outside of the NBA. Your league's kind of this intra-country league. Uh, 
Right. But amongst all the pro leagues in Spain and Russia and Turkey and Germany and France and Italy, um, Spain's ACB is kind of the highest level of domestic leagues. We had 12 Canadians playing there. So, you know, ten, you go back 10 years, you might have one. You might have Carl English or, you know, Yvonne Kendall or somebody like that. Maybe you had two. Right. 12 guys playing in the ACB. And they're, you know, these are imports. These are guys who are stars of their teams, right? Kyle Alexander, Phil and Tommy Scrub, Cassius Robertson, Trey Bell Haynes, Dylan Ennis, Kenny Cherry, Aaron Dornacamp, Kyle Wilcher, Connor Morgan, Dijon Kravik, um, Olivia Hanlon. You know, that, that's a lot of guys. Right. So it's kind of fun kind of following what, what they're all up to. And, and a lot of those guys had, had great seasons. Um, you know, some of the other leagues, um, worth, worth talking about Tyler Ennis. He's finally had a healthy season and, and, and he's good. He's playing in Turkey. Right. Uh, he was kind of leading, leading his team in, in Turkey and a great bounce back injury free year. Happy to see him. Don't think we see him for the national team. I think it's just too much to risk for him with the, with the catastrophic injuries he's had in the past. Um, Johnny B came close to winning the French pro a scoring title. So there's, there's guys all over the place. Uh, but the guy who was my MVP this year was um, uh, Naz Mitrulong. And, wow. uh, you know, he's a guy who's kind of bounced around the NBA and the G League and two-way contracts and never really caught on for the NBA and probably stayed around stateside for a couple of years too long. And I've kind of always itching for him to, to get to Europe. And when you go over to Europe, most guys, most First-year players, the the Euro League is just too high level. Um, you know, it's a very different game over there. You got to get established. You got to learn the European game. You got to learn the FIBA rules. So most guys don't start in the Euro League, but that's where the money is. That that's where the kind of the, the stardom is in 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 Europe. So he started um, with a good Italian uh, team, uh, Brescia, and, and uh, he was awesome. So and you don't normally see kind of first-year players just jump in and. So he was in line for um, came close to winning MVP of of, of the Italian Serie Serie A Serie A. Um, this might not sound like much, but in Europe it is. He put up seventeen points, uh, five assists, five rebounds. Got to remember it's a forty minute game and and much more defensive game. Um, he did that on kind of forty five from the field, 37 percent from three, eighty five percent from the line. Um, over two, two three pointers a game, he just kind of jumped in there and and you know he, he even started a little rough for the first you know five games or so, but then then he kind of took off. Um, I'm almost certain he goes into the Euroleague next year. Uh, for those people that don't know, he has Greek heritage. Right, he has never played for the Canadian national team. Um, if he wants to get to the Olympics, he probably has a better shot with Greece who is desperate for shooters to surround uh, Giannis. Um, it's not something uh, Greece really produces, is, is kind of wing, wing shooters too well. Um, and, um, you know, he'd end up being a naturalized player from them, but his mom is Greek and the Greek teams are kind of all over him. So you might see him at uh, uh, Olympiakos next year or, or Panathinaikos. Uh, I don't know if I you can pronounce the names right, but... Um, Close. Those two teams are kind of chasing him. Um, he probably ends up at one of those two teams and in the early next year. So he's uh, kind of my my Canadian MVP. Wow, you uh, he surprised me with the choice, but um, you know, you know, you're European guys, so I'll 
I'll take your word for it. Anybody else you kind of want to talk about over there? Or, um, their, their seasons or just, uh, to, I know you didn't ask for most improved player, but um, you know, sure. I kind of have really been watching. There's a couple things. I want to point out um, Jackson. I like watching these guys at the lower level um, European leagues. It's a huge pyramid, right? Right. It's all these different leagues and, and you got to work your way up. Most a lot of these guys can start in a league that they're not ready for. Um, Jackson Rowe, who was a Cal State Fullerton guy a couple of years ago, I think started in the French um, first division. Didn't go very well. You know, up in Sweden, which is a much lower level, not much lower. It's a lower level, um, kind of a feeder into um, some of the better domestic leagues, and and he killed it in Sweden. You're probably going to see him jump back up to you know French first division. Germany's BBL, ACB, or something like that. I thought he had, he had a good season as kind of most improved. And then I've always been watching guys like um, Trey Bell Haynes has been kind of climbing the ladder. He had the same sort of thing, maybe maybe bit off more than you could chew in its first season. Um, I think he was in the BBL, the German uh, Bundesliga, the first first year. Didn't go so well. I think he went to it was Finland, I think, not Sweden, and then killed it in in, in Finland. Um, moved back to the BBL and and was near MVP level in the BBL. So sometimes these guys just need a year or two to get comfortable with with a different game, um, right. and different expectations and, and whatnot. So Trey Bell Haynes, after being awesome in the BBL last year, moved to the ACB, uh, Spain's first division. That's a big jump up. Uh, Germany's kind of a you know secondary domestic league um, and. Jumps up to the ACB, which we kind of said is the best, you know, European domestic league, and um, he kind of was the main signing, second second main signing for a, a team called uh, Rio Brio, sorry Rio Briogan, who was just promoted from the second division. They they signed Daznan uh, uh, Musa, which is a ex uh, New York Nets uh, player, or sorry um, Brooklyn Nets player that kind of flamed out. And both those guys carried that team to kind of a surprising, you know, above 500, I think, uh, uh, record, which is surprising for kind of a recently promoted, um, you know, you just, and it's, it's funny, those leagues, right? The last, last two, if you come last or second last, you get pushed down the second division and the first and second place teams from the, from the first, from the second divisions move up. So everyone's trying to avoid being relegated. And when you're in the second division, it's just a huge. There'll be these tiny little towns, and their team gets you know promoted up into the into the top division, um, and and that's kind of where he was, and he played awesome again. So he was one of the best players in the ACB, best point guards in the ACB. So I'm kind of watching him this summer to see where he ends up. Um, he probably moves up to a better ACB club, somebody that's playing in the Euro Cup or the FIBA's Basketball Champions League. I don't think he's EuroLeague material yet. Um, if he keeps improving like he's been doing the last couple of years, maybe he gets there. But I'm kind of hoping he gets up into kind of one of those uh, better clubs and and uh, it keeps keeps showing us what, what he's got. So he's kind of like my most improved player this year. Nice. Appreciate that, man. Anybody else over there you want to talk about, or are you good with that? I think that's good. I think we threw a ton of names out there. Yeah, yeah uh, NBA draft day from a Canadian perspective. Yeah. Uh, we got guys in. Um, you know, we've, you know, we know Benedict is probably going to 
you'll be the first Canadian. Um, Shaden's in. Leonard has decided not to do college. Uh, you know, what What do you anticipate come draft day? Because, listen, I'll be the first to admit, you know, I'm following these guys. Like, hey, listen, Benedict, great tournament for Arizona. Montreal guy, we all know that. You know, Shaden's kind of been well-documented in terms of, you know, he didn't even see the floor for Kentucky. Like, what, what do we really know? about this kid i mean that's a lot of what the experts are saying like hey we haven't seen this kid really play you know leonard miller blew up uh had a monster season best player in canada uh great skill set you know caleb houston you know he's staying in there's lots of rumors that he's got a first round promise from a team you know what what do you think we see come draft day for our Canadian players, man. Yeah. This is a really, really interesting draft. I, I think probably one of the most interesting ones um, in the last decade. I, I think, yeah. you know, a few years ago, we, we had a, you know, we had a, a, a good crop of like, you know, five, maybe it was six guys drafted. Um, but we kind of knew them a little bit more. There's a lot of mystery in, uh, amongst these guys. There's there's a lot of, like, we could be looking back in five years going, oh, my God, what a draft. Um, or it could it could be a complete belly flop. You, you know, you don't know. Um, you know, the, I think the sure thing is uh, Benedict Mathurin. Um, I'm not too sure he's going to be the first Canadian selected, like, like, like you mentioned. Um, there's a lot of... Um, um, there, 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 there's kind of a range where, where we're seeing with Shaden Sharp, right? So I, I don't think it's it's inconceivable that he goes first overall. Like, I, I don't think it happens, but there, there's right. definitely people kind of talking about it. Like somebody could fall in love with that guy because he's got like the prototype of an NBA wing, like to the T, everything that you, if you were going to get into a simulator and, and, and program your kind of modern NBA wing. This guy's got it on kind of a physical and athleticism level. There's no game tape, game tape on this guy at a decent level, right? So people don't know, really know what you have. So maybe something comes out where, you know, people are turned off. But all it, ta- all it takes is one team to fall in love with him. And he ha- definitely has the highest upside here of all these guys. Um, a lot of the mocks are kind of putting him, you know, kind of in that four to seven range. Um, you know, I think a guy like, like Jay Nivey's kind of um, rising a little bit. So, so maybe there's kind of a sure four and he's sitting there at like five, six, seven. Um, you know, but Benedict Matherin kind of, I think is more the sure thing here. Um, but like, I don't know what his, his, his ceiling is relative to Shaden Sharp. Um, Leonard Miller's like a complete wild card. Um you know, I, I just don't know enough about basketball to like sit there and sit, tell you, you know, where, where this guy's going to be and, and, and what his arch type is. He's a, he's a weird player. Um, he's got all sorts of kind of interesting elite um, skill sets, but he's, he's really raw. That was shown at the combine in the exhibition games. He looked really lost out there, especially on defense um, but he's the youngest guy in the draft and, and what do you expect? You know, he needs time. Um, so, you know, is somebody going to take him in a project? You know, I think pre combine people were talking, Oh, you know, he can, he can be a lottery guy, but I think that's just a lot of 
hype on on social media and things like that. But again, all it takes is one team to kind of fall in love with them and say, hey, we're going to work on it. Yeah, maybe he goes in the first round. Um, maybe he goes kind of later second. I kind of don't think he goes undrafted. I think somebody would roll the dice. Like in the second round, it's all about potential and, and um, you know, rolling the dice and things like that. He, he obviously kept his name in the draft, so he's not going to Kentucky or Arizona. The G League Ignite is still on the line. I don't understand how that is still an option. I'm like, why wouldn't you just whoever picks you in the second round, you're just going to play G League with them. I don't, I don't know why he would go with the Ignite. Maybe that's the backup option in case, worst case scenario is he doesn't get drafted. Um, but I think he's draftable. Just He just has such this this, this interesting profile and skill set. He was, he was awesome in the measurements and the athletic testing. All that was great. So I don't know what you got with Leonard Miller. I, you know, I don't even want to tell you where I think he gets drafted. I don't know. Um, Caleb Houston, another mystery man. Nobody, I, you know, pre pre NCA season, people were calling lottery pick and then he was not good at Michigan. Um, but right. he doesn't change from being a kind of a, you know, a nice kind of, you know, tall wing shooter, you know, lots of potential. I was, you know, asked me a month or two ago, I'm saying there's no way he's in this draft. Um, he's going back to Michigan. He's staying in the draft. Um, lots of rumors out there that he's gotten a promise. Um, is it in the first round or someone, did somebody give him kind of an early second floor? Um do you really stay in the draft for a early second floor? I don't know. There's a lot of questions there. It's going to be a real cool draft. Um, Andrew Nemhard, who who I was a little hard on through much of the season, much of the season, and and just didn't think that this guy was a surefire NBA. He was awesome in his in the March Madness run. He killed it in in the the combine games. He was right. the best player in the combine games. Um, maybe that's just set up for him. Um, you know, a, a, a older player point guard, there's really no defense out there. So he's able to slice and dice and completely control the game and, and find easy passes. And just, he, his mind was way above kind of a combine exhibition game, kind of seeing the floor and, and, and watching things unfold. So he's moved up in the, in the mock drafts, um, you know, almost into the first round, um, yeah, I kind of think he's a second round guy. I now think he's kind of higher than the the mid forties. Um, you know, a couple months ago, he was kind of a undrafted to kind of late second round guy. Now he seems like more of a surefire draft pick. But you never know. Um, guy like that could just easily go undrafted and, and just be he'll be immediately scooped up as a two way. Right. Uh, no doubt about that. Or 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 some sort of undra- undrafted uh, free agent signing. So that's like one, two, three, four, five guys. Um, could all be in the first round. I don't know. Yeah, yeah um, it could be. It could be really cool. Drop. I don't think so, but you never know. Yeah, and cool uh, with Nemhard, he's. Um, I listen to the Sack and Jack podcast a lot. Your boy Robert Sackray there, and uh, they talk Gonzaga, and they're they're hilarious, but. You know, they talked a lot about uh, Andrew this year, and uh, like he's deadly in the pick and roll, and he's very, very good at it. And if you were to compare him to like another Canadian player, I mean, like obviously Steve was 
really good in a pick and roll in his day. Yeah. Uh, Corey is too. Um, and Andrew has actually gotten stronger and put on size. Um, you know, he's, physic- he's physically bigger. Um, so, yeah, he looks good, and he had a great combine. So that was a name I had kind of neglected. but uh, And I think he's going to be a future uh, – you know, consistent player for the national team too. Um, we talked, we, we touched on the summer core. That was sort of my next note. I don't think we got to beat that over the head. Uh, any thoughts on Elijah Fisher, the phenom, you know, he's, yeah, he's kind of, he's kind of re, he re-elevated, if you will, even at a young age, his game to kind of put himself back in the limelight uh, as far as being like a top guy out of Canada. Yeah. Committed to Texas Tech. Uh, the big man from Richmond there, Fardoz, is going to go there as well. Yeah. Uh, any thoughts on that commitment? That's our, our, our new Team Canada for the um, for the 2003 season, uh, 2023 season. Yeah. Um, yeah, I got thoughts on Elijah Fisher. You know, I might be I might be old and crotchety and bitter, but I'm kind of like an anti hype guy and. Right. I don't know if there's been a player to get more hype than Elijah Fisher. Um, certainly more than, and I think than Jamal Murray, cause I think he was a little bit of a later um, guy to focus on, you know, maybe not RJ, um, maybe, maybe Wiggins maybe had more, but he's up there. Right. Uh, because he was a very dominant, large 13 year old who had, YouTube highlight videos that wowed everybody. And he's like the best 13 year old in North America or the world. Right. And so there's everyone bought onto it. And, and, you know, I talked to some of the media guys in, in uh, Canada and Toronto and, and they, they, they'll, they'll just kind of feed into it. Cause like, Hey, people know Elijah Fisher. So we're going to write about him. Right. They don't, they don't know about shade and sharp. Nobody knew about him. Right. So he doesn't get the press or the coverage until, you know, he goes to Kentucky or something like that. So Elijah Fisher has been on this hype train for, for a long time. And, and he was just bigger, stronger, faster at an earlier age than a lot of players. And as you saw him get to kind of 15, 16, 17 guys started catching up, right. His peer group um, started catching up and he, 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 you know, continued to kind of bully guys and get to the rim at will but you didn't see him working on his outside shot or, you know, I, not like I'm watching these things, but you didn't really see that become part of the game or an improvement or things like that. And then all of a sudden you see him drop from one, two, three in his class in the rankings for, um, you know, rivals or 24 seven. Um, and over the years, he, over, you know, he, 18 month period, he dropped into kind of like the twenties or the, or the high 18s. And, you know, that's a big jump. Um, you know, guys, guys that are kind of coming in at, you know, 19, 20, 21 in their class, those are not surefire NBA draft picks where everybody, you know, he, this guy was the next big thing. Right. Um, and then he just kind of, you know, turned it around and, and, you know, I'm sure there's a ton of work behind the scenes. I don't see this. I don't know this. I'm not tapped into any of this sort of stuff. He's, he's been working his ass off since, since you know, how however old. Right. But, you know, he kind of jumps on the AU circuit this year. He was he was hidden in COVID, too. 
So he could have fallen in the rankings because nobody saw him and he wasn't getting out there and he wasn't playing in AU and, and, and people hadn't seen him for a while. Um, you know, he played with the Canadian uh, U19 team, but he was a couple years younger and he was not a star player on that team and he looked okay. Um, but he certainly didn't look like a RJ Barrett at 17 winning the gold medal in the, in the U19 FIBA worlds. Right. Um, right. just dominating everybody. That was not Elijah Fisher at, on, on that U19 team. Um, but you know, I'm coming, I'm coming back on board. He, he was really good in this last AU session, you know, season over the spring and you're seeing him, you're seeing a, an outside shot coming. You're seeing more passing. You're seeing big thing is defensive intensity. You're seeing this kid dominate games defensively. Um, and and you're, you're starting to become that kind of total wing package. So I, I'm really excited about him at, at Texas Tech. I, I really want to see it. To see him with, with Fardaz, um is, is really cool. Th- those are, t- you know, prob- maybe two NBA prospects there, um, you know, they're going to be, you know, Fardaz is going to be one of the better players in the NCAA next year. Um, they might not be NBA guys. I, I don't know. Um, but, you know, he, he's, he's gone kind of a, a bit of a U-turn for me, through, I think from overrated to, I think a lot of people kind of started to poo-poo him a bit and, you know, perhaps he's a little bit underrated, but I'm, I'm, really excited and on board to kind of see, see what he does at Texas tech. And I'm glad he, I'm glad he kind of went the NCAA route. Yeah. I think um, one thing about Texas tech and, you know, they're in the big 12, right? So that's a, that's a tough conference physical and, mm-hmm. you know, there's, there's big programs that they just um, produce, like they produce pros and, you know, if you if you're gonna win that conference and you're gonna buy in, you mentioned the defensive effort and intensity has increased on Elijah's part. I think in a way him going there, he recognized like this is gonna allow me to show what I can do on both ends. And I, I think that was a good move for him and it's great to see him sort of bounce back in terms of his, his ranking because like yeah, we didn't get to see him through the pandemic nearly two years. Yeah. Um, but he, he has developed a lot. He's gotten even stronger physically. Um, you know, if you want to, you know, him and Leonard Miller, top two guys in the country, well, and Shaden, but Shaden was kind of, Shaden kind of came out of nowhere with the, the Nike uh, circuit there. But, uh, yeah, it's good to see. I mean, you know, like you said, there's been this hype train and everyone's known about him since he was 13. That can't be an easy thing to sort of live with no. or, or no. deal with. and. By all accounts, like again, the Instagram thing comes up. Following him, he does work hard. He works really yeah. hard. He stays yeah. humble. His family is humble. Um, yeah, he's not just yeah, coaching. Feel, he's, he's putting yeah. work in. So, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I feel bad, kind of making any disparaging comments. Right? He's, a, he's a kid, and and he's had the spotlight on him. Yeah, but you know that with that spotlight, you know comes you know kind of a critical eye to to a degree right um but but he's working he's working his butt off and um like i said i'm i'm, I'm excited and 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 kind of really interested to to kind of get back home board i guess i was never on the hype train but i'm i'm now kind of you know hoping hopeful that that he's a um, future nba player yeah agreed. and i'm really excited just by by the way the the 
U18 FIBA Americas starts in a couple days, and right. he's going to be headlining that team down in uh, Mexico. I think it's in Tijuana, actually. Um, I should be going to that, but uh, um, eight-year-old softball kind of is consuming my life. <laughs> um, but he's going to be headlining that team, and that that's going to be a, a good opportunity to kind of kind of see what uh, uh, improvements he's made to his game and and how how far he can carry that Canadian team. Yeah, awesome stuff. Uh, anything else you want to add, Matt, before I get you out of here? Um, no, I think the only other thing probably is is just kind of recognize uh, some of the other things Canada basketball is doing. The the global jam. That's uh, I think yep. you might have to correct me on the dates. I think it starts. Is it is it July fourth? July tenth? July fourth? I want to say it's July fourth. July first right. is a Friday. So the senior men's national team plays there their game against the Dominican Republic on July 1st. And then I think Global Jam kicks off like right away after the weekend, yeah. fourth or fifth, yeah. something like that. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. and uh, yeah, so recognize that men's and women's kind of for uh, U23 teams, kind of a festival of, of other stuff going on, three on three tournaments, stuff like that. Um, we're slowly getting pieces of kind of a roster for the, for the Canadian uh, U23 team. Yeah. Um, you know, it's um, it's guys are under twenty three are still R.J. Barrett and Shea Lewis Alexander and Nikhil and Lou Dort and all those guys O'Shea, but you know I don't think any of us expected to see them there. Um, and, but so we expected kind of it's going to be the NCAA guys. I was hoping some you know we've, so so far we've 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 gotten some good NCAA players: uh, Marcus Carr, Ryan Nemhard, Charles. Bediaco, uh, Tyree Samuel, um, and Oliver Maxine Prosper. So uh, there's going to be more, but those are some good recognizable names for the U20, U23 Global Jam. If anybody's going to uh, wants to go out and kind of watch them, um, there's still a big roster of really good players that that could be on that team. From you know, there's a few. Um, uh, a few pro players playing in Europe. There's a bunch of NBA guys. I don't think it's going to um, happen too much with the NBA guys, but you never know. You might see a, a Nate Darling show up or, or something like that who, who was really good in the G League this year. Right. Um, but that that team will will expand, but that's that's kind of a nice five names to, to start with. Yeah, I wonder if they – I know Zach Eady is sort of slotted in with the, the senior team, but uh, – Maybe they bump him down, ask him if he wants to play in that too. You never know. So, yeah, yeah it's going to yeah. be a monster, monster summer uh, leading into the fall. Uh, the women's tournament, uh, World FIBA Women's World Cup in September. Uh, it's going to be an exciting time for the program, my friend. I love it, Maddie. Yeah. Well, appreciate you coming. Appreciate you coming back to join us. Looking forward to seeing what's in store for the program this summer. Uh, take care, man. Yeah, I appreciate it. And uh, th- thanks for having me on, man. I love it. Anytime you need me, I'm, I'm here for you. Appreciate that. That's it for another episode of Canada Hoops. I want to thank our friend Scott Witter for pulling up. Thank you for downloading and liking us. Keep supporting Canada basketball. We will see you on the next episode. Thank you for listening to Canada Hoop.